0: Well, we're going to bring to a close our series on temptation this morning. I, thought like, I felt like that I could not go for a month talking about uh, how we fall, 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 or keep from falling and not talk about what happens when we do fall. Because though we don't want to have fails in our life, though if you live long enough, you're going to hit a point where something happens. And no matter how good you are, how much of a professional you are, You're going to have that moment. Watch this. (laughs) Some of you know that pain, right? (laughs) And we don't want to remember all of our victories. You know, we don't want to, we don't, uh, that guy, that pro guy, he doesn't want to remember that. (laughs) He's probably thinking of his next shot or something. And people like Reggie Jackson, who uh, I grew up with watching play baseball, great home run hitter, but. You know, Reggie Jackson struck out 2,597 times. <laughs> struck out a lot more than he hit home runs. The Cy Young Award, that was, it's given to the best picture, pitcher every year. Also, you know, he like had 316 losses as well. So the, the greatest pitcher of the, of the time and the era was also the greatest loser of the time of uh, that era. And then Nolan Ryan, my favorite baseball player of all time a guy who could throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball when he was 45 years old still. You know, Nolan Ryan, I just absolutely love him, but he was number three in losses. Not only could he throw a fastball, but he's right there and probably will forever be there, stuck at number three. And so we don't want to remember those times, but they come. And, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about this book is that when God had it put together, He didn't leave those losses out of our heroes' lives. This is a very honest book. This is a very painful book at times. Uh, We want to remember all the great stories and all, but from the very beginning, God didn't wax over those things. I mean, Abraham, known as the father of our faith, right? Great man of God. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Abraham had a very attractive wife, so attractive that he felt like the king of the nation that they were close to and around at that time would kill him to get his wife. So what did he tell her, father of the faith? Make like you're my sister so they won't kill me. Even going so far as to say, let her go right into his house to be a part of his harem. And then God has to intervene and tell the king and say, look, don't touch that woman. You know, she belongs to another man. And, and, you know, you'd say, well, gosh, that's one mistake. No, Abraham did it twice. Twice he did it. The father of the faith. And then his son comes along and did the same thing. Same exact thing. Uh, we talked about David just a few weeks ago. We kind of took apart how... Uh, his fall how he fell with Bathsheba and fell into actually having a man killed and we looked at his life and yet his, you know he's known as a man after God's own heart but his failures were not left out of here they're right here in color I mean with detail and so God realizes and he knows that there are going to be those times when this happens and the question is what do we do When we fail, what do we do when temptation gets the best of us or when we fall? Can we really get back up? And I think there's really wonderful news for us today in the scripture. We're going to look at a story where the guy named Peter and uh, how he fell and what God did to bring him back. I bet there's not a single one of us in here who doesn't have regrets. I have never met a parent who did not have some sense of guilt. I don't know what it is. I guess we never think we can do enough but I've never met one that if you talked long enough that you didn't have, you'd hear it come out of their mouth. I really wish I had done this. I really wish I had done that. If I'd only this, if I'd only that. And I bet you have regrets about choices maybe you've made at some time. Some moral lapse, a failure, something God has suddenly brought to your attention or maybe something was said to you so long ago that it harasses you. You know, many of us had people say things to us when we were young that just scarred us, It wounded us, and, and we still carry that shame, and we still carry that sense of loss somehow in our lives. Can we ever get out of that? Can we get back to wholeness, get back to maybe where God really wants us to be? And so that's our journey today. We're going to be over in John 21. If you've got your Bible or your app and, and uh, you want to open it up, Peter, is uh is probably the liveliest person in all of the gospels as we read about him he's he's the guy who is very braggadocious right he brags i mean when all the when jesus says every single one of you are going to fail me every one of you and what does peter go what does he do oh lord the rest of them may fail you not me you know, not me. I'm not going to do it. There's no way I'm going to fail you. I'm not going to fall. All the rest of them, bunch of weenies. Yeah, they will, but not me. Not me. No way that's going to happen. But we know he did. We know that he fell three times, saying, I don't even know you. And, and so Peter is our, he's our example today, and I think Peter had a lot of problems. He compared himself with the others, just like the, you know, the rest of these may fall. They may deny you. They may fall away, but not me. Braggadocious. And I think he and John, who wrote the gospel, I think they had a little something going on. I'm not sure what, but uh, we'll see in a few minutes. I think there was a little competition going on between those guys a bit. So let's read John 21 and 3, and uh, I'll pray, and we'll jump into this. John 21, 3, I am going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you, the disciples. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Father, I pray for your blessing on your word today. Breathe life on it. And indeed, Holy Spirit, come burn. You are here, your presence. And so we ask for you to touch our hearts. I pray, Lord, because of the healing that we want to see in all of our lives, that you would lay bare our hearts this morning. Come and work in us. Let us see you as our hope. Make your presence known, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the disciples are back in Galilee where it all started, where it all began three years earlier. And that number three is going to play out many times in this story. And uh, they're back fishing. This is after the resurrection. So Jesus has already risen from the dead. Uh, This is the third appearance of Jesus. Here, and again, it's right back to where Jesus called them from, the boats. I mean, I tell you guys all the time, Jesus is a genius. He's got this setup, this beautiful setup to communicate to Peter and the disciples something very, very wonderful to them. So they're out fishing, and uh, they're throwing the nets over. What do you do when you're worn out, and you're just like, I can't get beyond where I am? You go back to doing what you know best. You go back to working hard, throwing your nets over, doing whatever you can to get your mind off the failure, to get your mind off the fall. Get back to doing something you know you're good at. But no matter how much you do that, no matter how many times you throw the net over the side of the boat, it comes up empty. Sweat, toil, hard work, all night long, they fish at night right up to the daybreak, but nothing. Peter's pulling this net up. The disciples are pulling it up. Maybe they, you know, I don't think it's bad they went back to fishing. A man's got to eat, right? So they go back to doing what they know best. But something's not right. And first, you have a fill-in in your handout if you want to follow along. You should have received a pen as well. as Our first step in getting back up after we've fallen down is to realize our need. To realize our need. When our nets come up empty over and over and over again. It's time to say something's not working. <laughs> I am missing something. Because I am just doing all that I know to do. And this is the first step. And I mean, have you ever had someone ask you how are you doing? How many of you did that when you came in this morning? You asked somebody did you really mean that? I mean seriously. <laughs> you know there's two ways to ask that question. There's like, how are you doing? Which means you're supposed to say great, okay? <laughs> this is just a clue. You know, you just, you're supposed to say great. Then there's, there's how, are, how are you doing? And you need to take advantage of that. When someone asks you, I didn't take advantage of that not too long ago when a pastor asked me that at a meeting, and I didn't even expect him to, to come by and speak. And he came by and he said, hey, how are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm doing great. And he went, Really? <laughs> and I, I I told him I mean, we were in a meeting, you know, and I mean this this guy like he pastors the biggest church in the vineyard, and I was like, yeah, I'm doing great, I'm I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, but it was my opportunity to to say to Rich, you know, hey, no, I could use some prayer in this area. I could do this. I could do that, and and realizing that we have a need of their. Some place in your life that you're toiling so hard at and it's bringing up nothing. And it's especially true when we have fallen or fallen to temptation or we're down for the count. And we're working as hard as we can and we can't get back up, it seems like. So when someone comes along and they say, how are you doing? Listen, okay? And uh, you really want to respond to the one who says, how are you doing? Not start telling someone it goes, how are you doing? Everything, okay? <laughs> you know. The one that really cares and asks you that, that's an opportunity. And I hope you will do the same with people that uh, you love and you care about. You'll, you'll ask them, how are you really doing? How are you doing? And because we, we need to share that. So realize your need. You know, we're not self-sufficient. We're self-deficient. <laughs> you know, we, we are not always doing so well. And, again, all of us find a place in our lives where we will fall and we will need to be helped up. And so the first step is realize your need, just like Peter and the disciples looked at those empty nets and all of the sweat and all of the work that they were doing to try to get back to normalcy. To try to get back to normalcy. But it was not working. And then in John 21, 4 through 7, we read this. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, got to love it, huh? Haven't you any fish? phrase in this if you've got a bible and you can underline it or your app has a underlining or bolding is, is to underline that it is the lord because the second step to us getting up is recognizing just who can meet our need it is the lord i, I got i love this put that back up a minute dustin yeah uh then the i, I got i got to point this out this is so funny notice this then the disciple whom jesus loved who's writing this Yeah. Uh, It's me, the disciple Jesus loved, said to Peter, right? He, like, oh, Peter, I recognize him first, you know, that's who it is. Evidently, uh, after the resurrection, the resurrected body, it looks similar, but it's changed. It's a little different, and some of us are going, hallelujah, you know, because in my resurrected body, I'm going to have a lot of hair. And when you see me in the kingdom to come, you're going to go, look at Tim's hair, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I recognize him, but he's a little different. He looks a lot better, you know, and, uh, and so evidently, Jesus looked a little bit different, but and its early morning, the sun's coming up, maybe there was some fog on the beach, and, but they hear that voice, and John knows that voice, John knows the voice, and he goes, it is the Lord, and they recognized his voice, and He tells Peter, and Peter, true to form, what does he do? Woohoo! He's out of the boat and running. He wrapped his garment around him. I want to get to Jesus. And so uh, recognizing who can meet our need is, is the most important thing. Or we just keep throwing nets on the wrong side of the boat over and over and over again. And they keep coming up empty. We end up so tired, so worn out. But when we hear that voice and we hear, it is the Lord. He is here in the midst of my futility, in the midst of my striving and trying so hard to get back up, to do what I know to do, the Lord is here. It is the Lord. And again, this is post-resurrection. This is the third time that he has appeared to them. And, And then so what we want to do is realize our need. Recognize who can meet our need. And then your third one is this. Retrace our steps. Retrace our steps. And this is, what, uh, this is what Jesus does with Peter. John 21, 8 through 9. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Man, what a picture. You know, this isn't the first time this has happened. You guys remember over in, what is it, Luke 5? I mean, Luke 5, when Jesus first called the disciples and they were in the boat. So, I mean, Jesus is reenacting. He is going back to when it all began three years earlier. You getting this now? Three years earlier. And the disciples, it can't be lost on them that when this whole thing started, Jesus did the same thing got in the boat with them, said, aren't you catching any fish? No. Well, he'll throw it on the other side. And they caught more than they could even pull in. What is Jesus up to? Do you remember the time when Jesus became so very special to you? Do you remember times when he's been there with you right when you thought you could never get back up on your feet? Do you remember the time when you had a great loss in your life and as much as you wanted someone to understand that loss and carry that loss with you, it seemed like nobody was there, but Jesus was there. Do you remember the sins you had when you first came to Christ and you just thought, there is no way in the world he's ever going to take this from me. No way. There's no way, but he did. Retrace our steps and Jesus is taking them back to look, guys. Remember when I first called you. Remember, retrace your steps back to those times when God was so powerful in your life. I know you get tired of hearing me tell my testimony all the time because I tell it all, you know, constantly. May 1st, 1971, and it's, it's, it's like, you know why I do that? Because I retrace my steps. Almost every day I retrace my steps, and I go right back to hearing that call. And I go, By call, I don't mean to be a preacher. I mean to follow him. The call to follow him, that, Tim, I know how screwed up you were, but I want you anyway. Because I'm going to do this work in you. I go back and I retrace my steps. And Jesus tells the disciples, go back to where the call. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Go back, retrace your steps. It would be great if you just, if you don't journal, even in the back of your Bible or take your bulletin home and write in it some memory of God's presence at a time when you really needed him. Remember that. Even the setting for this, the coals around the beach, The setting for a friendly conversation. Retrace your steps. Go back. I think Jesus is kind of blowing on the coals of remembrance for the disciples. Getting them to shift out of their failures. And thinking back to a better time. When things were moving much smoother and they had hope. And um, you know writing out again. Writing out it, I think, is writing out your memories, your good memories of when God was there for you. is really important. Retrace your steps. He's saying, Peter, do you remember that first catch we had together? Do you remember that? Three, some three years ago. Remember how great it is and now you've got another catch? You're still catching fish with me. And then next, this is a huge point in our getting back up, is release your shame. Because this was a setup for Peter. I mean, three years ago, three, this is his third time of being seen by the disciples. Peter denied Jesus three times. Denied even knew him, even cursing, some translations say, on the third time, whenever you were with that guy, you were with the guy there and they're beating up right now and torturing. No, I wasn't. I don't know him. I don't know him. Three times he denies. I mean, it's Memorial Day, and we've, we just prayed and had a moment of silence and all. We know there are people who would give their lives for a friend, for others, to save someone's life. But Peter was not that guy. Peter would not do it at the mo- that moment. And it was harassing him. It was bothering him. He was down. He was like, I said I would never deny him. But I did. But yet Jesus, still on the beach. Coals of a warm friendship, wooing him to come to the table to eat. Passover, a picture of Passover, the Last Supper. I mean, Jesus is a genius creating this moment in time for Peter, especially, and all the disciples. There's a time when you release our shame. Let's put the scripture up, the next part of it. Here we go, John 21, 10 through 15. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat. He would already ran up, turned around, comes back, and dragged the net ashore. Boy, he must have been one strong dude, huh? I mean, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Wow. Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them. Remember another setting where he took the bread, broke it and gave it to them before all of this went down and did the same with the fish, the multiplying of the fish, the miracles they had seen, reenacting all of it. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Boy, I bet he knew it was coming. I mean, you—if if I was to picture this scene, the other disciples are just so happy in a way to see Jesus. It's such a warm setting, and Jesus had already cooked a breakfast. So I guess he wanted to cook some more fresh fish too. But do you realize this is after his resurrection, and Jesus is still serving his disciples? <sighs> he took the towel, he washed their feet. Right during the last meal. He's resurrected into his glory now as the Son of God. And what is he doing? Sitting on the beach with a warm fire and a warm meal for those who had rejected him and not been there for him at his most crucial moment. Friends, have you caught any fish? Nope. Well, I can help you catch some fish. Throw your net on the starboard side. Pull it in. Come on to the beach. Bring some of your catch to go with my catch. Let's have a meal. They're laughing, joking, and Peter's sitting there going, I know the hammer's going to fall. I know the hammer's going to fall. He's not going to let me by with this. And sure enough, he turns to Peter and goes, do you love me? Do you love me? Probably the first time he's like, okay, I just need to reassure him. yes. But then it comes a second time. (laughs) Then it comes a third time. You see what Jesus is doing? Giving him a moment to let it out. Release his shame. I'm still here, Peter. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still serving you, Sustenance, what you need in order to do what I've called you to do. And I just... This I'm taken away from this after I studied this. This has gone in my journal. as my moment of being on the beach in Myrtle Beach. And so every time I walk to the beach, I'm going to see Jesus with a warm meal sitting there waiting for me, going, Tim, I'm here. Remember how we started? And I'm still here with a meal for you. Come and have some. Come on. So we get to the point where we really need to release our shame. Don't hang on to it. What shame are you holding on to this morning? As I said, there's things inside of us that we blame ourselves for. You know, I don't need the church to add any more shame to me. I do that well myself. I don't need to go to church to get more put on me. I need the church to help take it off of me. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is doing right here in this picture is I know you've got shame, Peter. I know you feel, you know, just awful about what you've done and how you've denied me But come have a meal with me. It's not like you think. I am the Lord. I am the only one who can forgive sins and wipe the slate clean. Relish your shame, Peter. Let it go. Let it go. Realize our need. And then recognize who it is that can meet our need. Trace our steps. Release our shame. Let it go. And then your last one is this receive forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. And let's read our last part of the scripture. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. What couldn't Peter see in this response? The call was still in place. You see this? Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. He's saying, Peter, let's go. Peter is like, there is no way in the world I'm ever going to get back to where I was, much less down the road of peace. And Jesus comes in and says, look, let go of your shame, Peter. Receive my forgiveness and let's move. Let's go on. Feed my sheep. I mean, most of us would think, getting with Jesus, well, Jesus, you know, Jesus would go, hey, do you love me? Yeah, well, I don't think so, man. You're, you, know, you denied me three times, Peter. So we're just going to have to put you on probation for the next 10 years. And, uh, you know, you can't follow me. I don't want you, you know, I don't want you fishing. I don't want you doing anything at all. And Jesus is unlike us. Somebody should shout hallelujah. He is not like us in that his call and his love and his belief in us when we believe in him. And when we have given our lives and our shame and our brokenness to him, he takes, bundles it up, turns it into something entirely new and says, let's get on with it. And some of you need to hear that today because you haven't been able to get on with it. You keep throwing the net over the left side. And Jesus says, throw it on the right side. All of this is a reenactment of the beginning, the failures, now, the rest, you know, the forgiveness and getting rid of the shame and then getting on with it. And that is what this is about in the church. is It is about getting on with it. Because God has called us to an amazing mission, people. Not to sit, but to go and do what he's called us to do. Somebody shout amen for us. That's it. Going back to my Pentecostal days now. I can use it. <laughs> You know, I need to hear this more than once. I need to hear it many times from people. You know, we need to hear it. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Have you ever had someone, I think this is, I got to quit. But I think this is one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons that Scripture and Paul tells us to confess our sins to one another. And James and, all, you know, we have all these admonitions to, to tell each other. Our sins, So it says that we can be told that we are forgiven. We need to hear that sometimes from another person as a representative of God, of Jesus, to look us in the eye and go, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. That is the ministry of the body, to do that with one another. You know, the only way we can get up is to stand up. You don't get up when you're laying down or sitting down. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to pray and then I'm going to be so bold as to ask you if this message and this call has hit you and you you know now your need, you know who can meet your need. You realize that he has come to forgive, to restore, And now you're ready to receive that forgiveness. I'm going to ask you to stand. I mean, that's Christians. These were believers. That's Christians as well as if this is your beginning for your life as a follower of Jesus. We don't move. We don't go anywhere until we stand up. And that's when we begin our journey.